Ed and Judy are not here this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and continue the series that Pastor Ed has started. Let me just take a look at everyone who's here. From, uh, from what I understand is that um, you guys have been coming off as quiet. Do you guys know that, that you're coming off as quiet? So I'm going to have everyone do something. Everyone stand up. Everyone together. Amen? We are in the presence of God. Let's raise our hands together. Woo! Father, I just bless this, bless this congregation, even the ones who are sitting, in Jesus' name. Bless them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Bless them with your power, in Jesus' name, that they can be alive and receive the word of God today, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 <clears throat> So not to get on you, but you know, you know protocol, like when, when the king comes in, you don't sit down when the king comes in, right? You get up, and you stand in attention, and we should be that way in church. We should know that the king of kings is here. The Lord of lords is here. We should be awake. If you're, if you're, here, if you're here just for a, your religious exercise that you're punching your, your duty card, that's not why we meet. We are a living body of Christ that comes together to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. How about you? It gets me excited. Gets me excited. Welcome to Living Word. If you're a first-time guest, we just want to welcome you here. We're happy that you're here with us. I pray that after I speak today, you'll actually come back again afterwards. That is my prayer. <laughs> my, uh, my <clears throat> I tell my kids, I said, I am not political. I'm, I'm registered independent, I'm not Republican, I'm not Democrat, I kind of, kind of stay in the middle. And then they hear me preach and they're like, Dad, you are so political. <laughs> so I will probably drop some political bombs today, just don't get offended. It, here's the thing, God by nature has an opinion. And when you say his opinion, half of the people get happy and half of them get mad. I'm just going to say his opinion, okay? If you find it political, it's not my intent. I'm not, a, I'm not a super happy political person. But even at my mom's own funeral eulogy, I was accused of being political. Can you imagine that at a eulogy in a Catholic church? So whatever. <clears throat> Welcome to Living Word, you guys. We are a Holy Spirit church. What is a Holy Spirit church? We believe in miracles, you guys. We believe that God still does miracles today. We believe that men and women who are far from God and lost and stuck in sin can come out of that. They can be born anew on the inside, that the Holy Spirit can come and live on the inside of them. We believe that Jesus said, it's better that I go away because I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is going to fill you with power. You will speak with new tongues. You will cast out devils. You will heal the sick. Amen? That's what we believe. We just believe the Word of God. And the Word of God can be radical if you take it, but you're going to see radical, cool things happen in your life. Amen? If you believe that Word of God. So welcome. That's the kind of church we are. I remember when I was, uh, I grew up in a certain church. I'm not going to say the, the name of the church, but the church was super dead. It was just dead, but it was my religious exercise. That's where I went every week. And then I got born again. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I started to go to two churches at the same time. I would go to my dead church, and then I'd go to my, actually this church, at nighttime, at our Sunday night service. And this is many years ago, over 30-something years ago. 
And I went to, you know, out of habit and tradition, I went out to my dead church in the morning. I went to that for a year. And then finally I said, no more two churches. We're going to pick one. And so I, I, did this, I did this equation in my mind. Dead life. Dead life. Who, who knows what I picked? Do not stay in a dead church. Okay, let's talk to the people online. Do not stay in a dead church. You literally can lose your life and your kid's life and, and your whole family in a dead church. And some people stay in a dead church because it's their tradition. This is where my mom and dad went. This is what, this is what we do. But you know what? You are a free moral agent. You don't need to be in a place that is detrimental to you. You need to be somewhere where the living spirit of God is and your life is being affected every single week. Amen? Amen. Whoo, child. Um, next, we had our backpack event last week. Thank you, guys. We are going to show you a wrap-up video next week for that. Uh, I encourage you that our family weekend is coming up with Pastor Scott and Holly Anderson. Go on our website and register for the Saturday event. Some of you say, I don't have kids, or that day is already gone. You still need to come anyways, because you need to help people with kids trying to raise kids in this generation, and your advice can help set one, someone free. Amen? So sign up for that. There's a free gift with it and a, uh, some food that will be on that Saturday. And then, uh, like I said before, we are continuing the, serve, uh, the series Navigating Peace in Turbulent Times. How many people know that we live in turbulent times? We do. But the Bible says, even though the storm rages all around you, you can still have peace. How many people know, uh, not everyone knows this, but Jesus was on a boat and they were crossing over to the other side and there was a storm in the sea, oh, that one, right? And he was asleep. So he had peace in the midst of the storm. So you see him right here? So this could be us in the midst of turbulence. Absolutely, 100%. Let's pray and get started. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because it is everything. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in an anxiety and depression nation. I don't think I have to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this. We live in an anxiety and depression nation. It's, it has skyrocketed after covid it just did a, a number on people's mental health, especially on those who are not in the church. It increased their anxiety. They had social isolation. They didn't have community. They were kept apart. Um, I remember hearing one newscaster, and they brag. There's this, here I go, getting political. There's this newscaster, and they're bragging. I love my parents. I have not seen them in over two years face-to-face -face because of COVID. And I'm like, are you really a good child? That is evil. I love them, so I'll stay away from them. That doesn't sound like love to me. So there's social isolation and loneliness. People's lives were disrupted. And, uh, and honestly, for the first time in many people's lives, and I think this is a good thing, 
Everyone was told you're going to die. This thing is coming. The mortality rate is super high. If you look at Italy, they're all dropping dead, and it's coming for you next. And everyone, for the first time in their life, were like, oh, wait a second. I, I could die from this. And they begin to have this sense of mortality that, you know, I'm not invincible. I, this could be the end. And so this idea that this, this could be the end, right, just brought this kind of morbid feel over everyone and, and increased anxiety in our, in our, in our country. <clears throat> and what people do often when you don't know Jesus and you don't know the Holy Spirit and you don't know the help that comes from heaven is you turn to other things to cope with these problems. And so overwhelmingly in our country, people turn to substance abuse to cope with anxiety, depression, and stress. Um, <clears throat> one of the problems we have in the country is access to prescription medication. It's one of the largest killers in our country. And so, for example, there was a, a, a Harvard study in the public uh, School of Public Health. It found that opioid manufacturers paid hundreds of doctors sums in the six figures, while thousands more doctors were paid over $25,000 from the op opioid makers, the people who sell opioid drugs, are paying doctors to push their drugs. More than 200,000 physicians received a payment from a pharmaceutical company that makes opioids. Is there a wonder why the, the, we have an epidemic and a problem in our country? If the very people who are supposed to be the gatekeeper of our health have sold out to money to push these things, it makes, you, it makes you know that we're in trouble, okay? It makes you know that we're in trouble. I, um, I have a doctor, and it's a, my, my, my regular doctor is a female doctor, and I love her, and she's nice. And uh, so the last time I was there, all my, all my like, um, blood work and everything came back normal, and she said, um, uh, for this one thing, I, I'm suggesting that you go on medication. I said, why? It's within the normal range. Well, not anymore. Um, there's like new studies and stuff and we want to put you on medication and in my head I'm like who's bu who's buying you doc? Why all of a sudden are you pushing something how much are you getting back with this? I know that's like a, a critical thing to have about your doctor, but like Why was it always normal and all of a sudden you're pushing these drugs? Maybe I don't trust them a lot Maybe the Harvard study has discovered that these guys are being paid a lot of money, not with your best interest in mind, but with their beach house in mind, their luxury automobile, their Ivy League school for their kids. Guys, I am not political. I just want you to know that. <clears throat> in any way, at all, I am neutral. And then we have, this new <clears throat> we have this new thing in our country, the legalization of drugs. Our, um, so this church spent a lot of years in uh, Brockton, Massachusetts, where we leased a building, and, and we, we knew for 10 years with that we had to go. We were 10 years overdue, and we knew we had to move. But you know what finally moved us out? Is our landlord said, I am kicking you out. I got a better deal for this space, yeah. and it's a marijuana distillery. Yeah. 
selling medical marijuana. Do you imagine kicking out a church and moving a marijuana place in? Imagine standing before God with that one. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> not, not a confident day when you do that. So, so we have a, we have a, um, we have a marijuana place right up the street from here. No one go there after church, okay? But like right up the street, couple doors down. And I noticed one day there's like, there's like a line going into this business. And I didn't know what it was. A new chicken place, <laughs> right? Some food. And so I drive over there, and it's, um, um, I think it's like recreational marijuana, and there's a line out the door. Listen, if you're not smoking pot, your brother, your mother, and your neighbor is, because everyone is smoking pot, okay? And I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one thing. Our country needs young people to have drive and hunger and energy to get ahead and to be the most successful person they can be. But when you're high on marijuana, you're like, I'm good, I'm good, <laughs> good. No drive. You just laugh and eat food and sleep. This, it just robs the passion out of a human soul because you just medicated, medicated. <clears throat> How many people love the state of Oregon? <clears throat> or Oregon approved a ballot measure called Ballot 110, which eliminated criminal pen penalties for possessing small amounts of any drug, including cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamine. Oregon's drug uh, problems have not improved. Last year, guys, last year, the state experienced one of the sharpest rises in overdose deaths in the nation and had one of the highest percentages of adults with substance use disorder. <clears throat> A nonpartisan statewide poll in Oregon, more than 60% of respondents blame Measure 110 for making drug addiction, homelessness, and crime worse. Legalizing drugs is not a good thing for the soul of our nation. It is not. I don't care what you say. It is not a good message to send to your kids that doing drugs is okay. It is not. <clears throat> we also live in America in a culture of alcohol where it is, it is, um, <clears throat> it's just made so beautiful and pretty and wonderful. If you're a rap mogul or a superstar, you have some type of gin line or alcohol line or tequila line or everything. Like that's what they turn to. And there's this just culture. There's artwork about alcohol. There's just everything about alcohol is put up on a, a podium as if it's a good thing for our country. And it's not a good thing. I'll get into some numbers a little later. But the, uh, the culture of alcohol is killing the soul, again, of our country. And Ephesians 5.8 says this. What does the Bible say about this, guys? Just so, just so you're clear, okay? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the 
Holy Spirit. There is something called being filled with the Holy Spirit that will meet those needs, that will calm that anxiety, that will put to rest the fears that you have. But if people only know that substance abuse is their, their cure to numb their problems, they, don't, they may not know that there's a better way. And God has a better way. God always has a better way. Hey, where'd my scripture go? Don't put it down so quick. Well, put up the right one. <clears throat> Ty, we've already had this discussion. Ty has to cover my rear end. When I give him the wrong scripture, you're going to find the right one, right? Thank you. He's really good at that. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I, I, listen, I want you to know God's will for your life right now. Oh, what's God's will for my life? Number one, he does not want you to be filled with opioids. He does not want you to be filled with illegal drugs. He does not want you smoking marijuana, and he does not want you drunk with wine. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit that he gave. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're stuck in addiction today, if you're here and you're stuck or you know people, this is not a condemnation. This is a way out. We're leading out. Sometimes people don't even know how to get out of this trouble. Jesus is the way out of that trouble. He is the way out. <clears throat> and if we were all honest, we've all had problems in these areas. And those who have gotten out have gotten out because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. One of the things that really makes Americans stressed out too is um, our depressing news stream. We have a constant stream of news and it's negative, 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 negative. In, in the old days, I would make this comment. I don't like watching local news. I don't like watching Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 7, because it's always just bad news. Another accident. Uh, this one dead. This one shot here. It was a, it was, all the news was a sum of just all the bad stuff that happened in the day. And I'm like, I'm good. I, just, I don't want to be depressed all the time, so I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch local news. But I'll watch national news because it has... It has politics, because I'm not political. It has baseball, it has sports, it has all these things, and it's, and it's not as negative. Well, guess what's become negative? National news is divisive, it is negative, it is, it is American against American, okay? It's um, back in the old days, and again, ignorance is bliss, you guys. Back in the old days, we trusted our government, we would, no, 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 listen. We would say, you know, honor the president, whoever that is, honor the office. We believe that they were looking out for our national interests. We believe that, not anymore. Everyone's just, I don't trust the CIA. I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust the, 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 the this, the that, okay? Whether these reasons are right or wrong, it sets an anxiety in the American heart that everyone is on edge. They don't trust anyone anymore. And you, you live in this uncertainty that's underlying everything that goes in you. So as you feed that, it feeds the anxiety that lives in our nation, the depression that lives in our nation. 
when I see Americans fighting Americans, to me, and this is just to me, it stands out like a, a sore thumb. Anyways, let me, let me give you an example. So um, do you guys know who Antifa is? Has anyone ever talked to an Antifa person before? I have. My wife and I were in Boston. We were cutting through um, uh, downtown crossing, and there was a guy from Antifa passing out flyers. And so I'm like, you're from Antifa? Like, for real? You're a real Antifa person? My thought is, like, who pays you? Like, how are you here? How are you, like, how do you survive? How do you get a paycheck? And so I'm talking to him, and he's just, like, he's just, like, rambling off all this political rhetoric, and we're like, all right, got to go, you know? So Antifa... If you ever see them on the news, they're always like poking people in the eyes. They're hitting old ladies, they're hitting babies, they're just provocative, right? And I saw this one day, they pushed over an old lady on the sidewalk, and they're dressed in riot gear and stuff, they have black all over them. And I saw this American hick who had a, a flag, and he went and he started to beat the guy from Antifa beat him with the flag, right? And these brawls started breaking out. And in my mind, I'm like, that guy tonight is probably gonna get a bonus in his paycheck. Because the whole reason they're here is to turn us against each other. And if we're not careful, we're gonna get into this civil war mentality that it's American against American. But my thought is this, that someone outside of our country is paying people inside of our country to make us do this. And you need to be careful about how passionate you get about hating your fellow Republican, your fellow Democrat, your fellow American. Because if we fall apart on the inside, we'll fall apart on the outside. I am not political. <laughs> I'll be running in November. I appreciate your vote, everyone. <clears throat> I would never do it. I would never do it. You want to know why? Because God has called me to preach the gospel and preach the word, and, and to get into public office would feel like a step down, you guys, for what we do, okay? Because we have an eternal purpose. <clears throat> eternal purpose. <clears throat> so what are the results of all this stress, all this uncertainty, all of this depression in our nation, all of this addiction? Well, it's having a toll uh, on us. Can we put up this uh, date? This is uh, January 2023. This is a chart. January 2023, CDC, the Center for Disease Contro Control, tracks all the deaths in the United States. And so all the assaults and homicides, this is person killing person, was 1900 in January, Okay just the, the aggression of man against man. But double that are people taking their own lives. What a sad fact. No one killed them. They killed themselves. Now let me, let me get spiritual for a second here because some people never think this and you have to. You have an enemy of your soul called the devil and he was cast from heaven because he was a rebel and the way he curses God, because his eternity will be hellfire and damnation, he's already been judged, is he's going to take as many people with him to hell to curse God because we were made in God's image. He's going he's gonna to he said, I want to take the people who look like you, created in your image, and bring them with me. 
I'm going I'm to lead them in a way where they ignore you their whole lives. And when they die, they die in their sins. I'm going to bring them to hell with me. Now, I'm not saying committing suicide is an instant ticket to hell. But if you die in your sins without Jesus, you will have to stand on judgment day guilty before the God of heaven. And Jesus came that you would have forgiveness of sins. So if he can get you to commit suicide before Jesus comes into your life, then he is one. And suicides are on the, on the way up, guys. Yeah. Young kids. Know, what's, know what shocks me is people in their 70s and 80s committing suicide. That's like going to 12 years of school and quitting three months before graduation. Yeah. Like, really? But people are so depressed and so helpless, even in that phase of life, that they're taking their own lives. Look at drug overdose, everyone. Double it again. The devil is at work to kill people with drugs, alcohol, marijuana, whatever it is. He's using it to medicate and, and prescribe and knock people out. This is a serious, serious thing. <clears throat> I don't have the numbers up here, but check this out. 47,500 deaths a year, that's a lot, are attributed to the long-term health consequences of drinking too much over time. Drinking yourself to death. 47,000 people die a year from that. And we have this culture of alcohol. Hey, I'm a rap mogul. I am selling my new alcohol. Everyone needs to drink it. Yeah, that's beautiful. It is not beautiful. You should see that as a snake from the pit of hell that you're just like, no thank you. No thank you. Hey, you know what? When you're born again and you come to Jesus, that is a spiritual rebirth on the inside, but that is just the beginning of your walk with God. Usually the next thing God does is he begins to clean up your life. If you've received Jesus, but you haven't got rid of the alcohol, the drugs, the things like that, the Holy Spirit may be talking to you today saying, now is the time. Let's do this. Let's get it under the blood. Let's be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's come out of that and begin to walk in the God destiny that God has for you. The God, is there a life without drugs? Yes. It's called being filled with the Holy Spirit. And trust me, it is a much, much better life. Our country is spiritually bankrupt. You can leave those stats up. The reason why we see stats like this is because there is a spiritual bankruptcy in our country. The Bible says this, that you are a body, you have a soul. Actually, you, you live in a body, you're a spirit man, and you have a soul. Spirit, soul, and body. There's three parts that make up a man. Now, the body is the part that you can see of me, but this is not the real me. The real me is my spirit man that will live forever. So when this body wears out and goes back into the ground, my spirit man will go. Actually, God calls it back to himself because your life is a gift. You have free will. You can do whatever you want, but there is an accounting. There is a judgment at the end where you give an account for your life. So the real me is a spirit, okay, and I have a soul and a will. That's my mind and my will. Okay, and that's to be renewed by the word of God. Now, your spirit man is the most important part of you, and our country is spiritually bankrupt. You'll see people, they're working on their minds, they're working on their education, 
somehow the most educated people in our country are usually the most spiritually bankrupt and have a deep spiritual ignorance that shows in the bad decision making they make. Okay, so they work on their minds and their brains, and then you see this other group of people who are just in the gym, working on their bodies, getting themselves in shape, but they leave their spirit man dormant and dead and never work in their spirit man, which is the most important part. That's the part where God says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we're born again on anew, and when you take care of that spirit man, these things begin to go down. These things. You don't work on your body and mind and see these go down. They usually go up. When you work on the spirit part of you, they go up. Am I already out of time? Yikes. Okay, guys. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to keep going, but I will, I will try to land this plane, okay? I will try to land this plane. All I've done is talk about bad news. I have some good news. The Bible has some anti-depression advice, amen? The Bible has anti-depression advice. We can't just go, oh no, we live in a terrible country, it's all depression, no, 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 no. We have good news. The Bible has good news. You have something joyfully to wake up to every day. You don't have to be like everyone else who wakes up depressed every day. You can wake up in joy every day. The Bible has some anti-depression device, starting with this. This is the point I'll get to. We'll end here. The, the word is salvation. Salvation. You cannot skip this word. It's like baseball. You're not going to get to second base unless you get to first base. And first base in the things of the Spirit is salvation. Okay? Salvation. It's an important word. If you look at Luke 19, 9 and 10 right here. And Jesus, good, I have the right one. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham for the son of man or Jesus has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Spiritually, men are lost how does someone get lost? They, they get into a lifestyle of sin. And as they get into that lifestyle of sin, that sin separates them from a holy God. And they're lost from their father. They're separated. And that lifestyle of sin perpetuates into more sin and more sin. And you grow further and further apart from your father. And Jesus, I mean, God looked down and looked on the earth and he said, everyone's thought is continually evil. No one seeks after me. No one, no one is righteous and holy. They are in trouble. So he sent his son, Jesus, to seek and to save those who are lost. Salvation. Have you received salvation from the Lord? Well, I, um, I go to church. That's not salvation. That's just you in a building. Salvation is something that happens on the inside. It's a spiritual rebirth. Have you been born anew on the inside by a holy and living God? Let me read another scripture here. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. 
and behold, all things have become new. Salvation is when Jesus comes into your life, into your heart, and he makes all things new. Old things are passed away. Sin is passed away and washed away. Your old man is washed away and becomes brand new in Christ Jesus. We don't, we don't skip to the next step until we experience salvation in Jesus Christ. One more scripture, you guys. Romans 10, verse 12 says this. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, so listen, you have to call on the name of the Lord. You can go to church your whole life, but never call on the name of the Lord. You can know people who have called on the name of the Lord, but it doesn't mean you've called on the name of the Lord. What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? To call on the name of the Lord means this simply. Jesus, I have sinned, I have done wrong, and I've separated from you. And Jesus, I believe that you died for me. You took my sin upon you. I believe right now that you've come to seek and save me. Jesus, I call on your name. Save me now in Jesus' name. You call on the forgiving, loving arms of Jesus. The Bible says when you do that, you will be born again and born anew. He will come to live on the inside of you. Old things will pass away, and behold, all things come new. If there's going to be a revival and a change in our nation, it starts with salvation. You're not going to skip that. You're not going to educate yourself out of depression. You're not going to exercise yourself out of depression. The spirit man is where the joy of the Lord rests. The joy of the Lord comes from the inside. In the midst of the storm, you can be asleep with peace because peace lives on the inside of you. So what we're going to do in a moment is I'm going to lead you in a prayer to call on the name of the Lord. And you know what? Honestly, you guys, be honest. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you ever done that? There may be people here who have never done that. You're making attempts, you're coming to church, you're doing this, but have you ever surrendered your heart to Jesus? If you have not, let me say from my experience, there is absolutely no downside for giving your heart to Jesus, zero. Zero. There's only upside. The blessing of God abides on your life. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. God answers your prayer. You have a sense of destiny. You have a sense of power and strength that come from heaven. There is no downside to giving your heart to Jesus. But there is a downside for holding out and resisting the love of God. You may die in your sins without forgiveness end up a statistic, and then stand before God guilty of the sins that he already paid a price for. Listen, under the sound of my voice, whether you're online or here, may that never be. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. I'm going to ask you guys to make a commitment to Jesus today, to pray that prayer today. How do we do that? We simply, the Bible says, we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. Amen. Let me do that with you now. Guys, let's bow our heads. Everyone bow your heads. And what I need you to do is forget about the person you came with. Forget about who's on your left and on who's on your right. 
Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where we receive the Lord Jesus into our heart, where we get forgiveness of our sins, and he comes to live on the inside of us. And it all starts with a prayer. Say, say this with me with your mouth, everyone, and just mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, everyone nice and loud, dear God, I am not perfect. I've missed it. I have made mistakes, and I have sinned a lot, and I need forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died, and he rose on the third day for my forgiveness. Jesus, right now, come into my heart. Be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Look up here, everyone. The Bible says when one sinner, and that's what we are when we're outside of Jesus, when one sinner turns to the Lord, that all the angels in heaven rejoice. And I believe today that there are angels in heaven rejoicing whether there are people here in-house, whether there are people online, or people who catch this later online who have prayed that prayer, the angels of God are rejoicing in heaven. There is something called, you can clap, this is good. There is something called the book of life in, in heaven, and there is a judgment day. When you stand before God on judgment day, they said they open the books, and there's a book of life. And if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, that you're cast out with the devil and his angels. If you've prayed that prayer and made Jesus the Lord of your life, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. And you will stand confidently before the God, not in your good works, but in the blood of Jesus that washed all sin and separation from you today. Amen.